The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. But I want to talk about the Holy Spirit today. Now, what do you think when you think about the Holy Spirit? When you think about God, who is the Father of all, it brings comfort. When you think about Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, the mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who died on the cross, you think about a Savior, you think about a healer. And it's easy to get on board with those ideas, but when we start talking about spirit stuff, we start talking about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, ghost and spirits. There's a lot of people that it sounds weird to because they have not been associated with it. And, it, and they say, Pastor, can you change the subject? You know, Halloween is not here yet, man. And we're not there, and that's when we'll talk about it. But I'm not going to get weird. I'm not going to get scary. I'm not going to get spooky today. It's not going to be about that. But I'm going to I'm going to talk to you about the Holy Ghost today, the Holy Spirit. The Bible said in Deuteronomy chapter 30, "This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings." Then he said, "Now choose life." Everybody say, "Choose life." If I, would, if I would ask you to raise your hand, how many of you would choose life over death today? Come on, raise your hand. How many would choose blessing over curses today? Would you raise your hand? It's an amazing thing. How quick do the hands go up in that second question than it is the first question? Because we want, we want not just life. We want a good life. We want the blessings of life. You know, there's a real disconnect in Christianity with this whole spirit thing. And I think I understand why. Because I think it has to do with our English translators of the Bible. The Bible is not originally an English document. It didn't unfold in England with these English dudes running around with all them white powdered wigs and whatnot, making all the signals and all the things and all the changes. It happened in the Middle East where the central characters spoke Hebrew. So the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. And it was the language of the, of the universe. Greek was in that era like English is really the language of the world today. So when you read the word spirit in the Bible or you see it, the, the word ghost, you can get confused real fast. It's mentioned though over 800 times. So God, God must have something to say about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. The truth is neither of these words are accurate when it comes what they really mean. See, ghost and spirit are not the best words to use to understand what God is doing. There's no singular word, English word, to describe it. And so they just did their best. And I want to show you the word in its original context. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for, for, for the Spirit was ruach, ruach, R-U-W-A-C-H. It meant a wind, a breath, a violent exhalation, a blast of breath. In other words, it's, it's when you talk, when you talk, you know, you wish some people wouldn't let their breath go because they need some altoids. You know what I'm saying? But it's a, it's a, it's a breath. You have to breathe out to talk. You have to exhale to talk. And so it's that breath. The Hebrew lexicon or concordance will tell you that this is a Hebrew word for spirit or ghost. And it shows up in the second verse of the, of the Bible. In Genesis 1 and 2, the Bible said, Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the breath of God, the ruach of God was hovering over the waters. And so when God was creating the world, the Bible said He spoke it or He breathed it into existence because when He spoke, He exhaled. The breath of God was so powerful that it, it created things came forth from it. Maybe it may be kind of strange to some, but that is the word. And it's the same power, folks, the breath of God that can blow you out of the doldrums and blow you out of this listless life 
that hell wants you to live in this world, a life with no future, a life with no present, a life with nothing, no excitement in your, in your future or yesterday's or tomorrow's. And then the new word, the New Testament word was a word called pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. And it means a current of air, same thing, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. It's not spirit or ghost. Those are fine words. But they don't really get what is being said by God, by, about God's spirit. The best word would be wind. Everybody say wind. Yes. But it's kind of hard to say holy wind. Kind of hard to say holy wind when you can say holy spirit or holy ghost. But it's the wind of God. In John 6, Jesus said the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. And he said the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Would you say spirit, spirit. gives life? And the words I've spoken are spirit and they are life. So the spirit, a blast of wind or a breath gives life. Now that makes sense in my world. This is a theme, this series that we need fresh air. And so we've fallen in love with Jesus and we've got the mind of Christ and we've slowed down. But what we really need in 2017 is a good old push of the spirit of God, the wind of God in our life. Because there's nothing greater, there's nothing more powerful if we believe in the Father of creation, the Son of redemption, we have to understand that this is the Holy Spirit generation. And it's His turn to do His work in this world. And we're not going to let Him out of this church. We're going to let Him be a part of what we're doing in the house of God. Come on, clap your hands and say, Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. Now, ooh, I feel something here. Now, we've heard from the beginning, choose life, choose life, choose life. So what gives life? Jesus said the spirit, the blast of breath, the wind of God gives life. And if you're stuck in the doldrums of religion or life, we need a current of wind to blow us out. That is the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Ghost. Jesus said the flesh counts for nothing, and it's true. That's our human efforts to get out. We try to paddle our way, and we, get, we, we try to get unstuck by paddling. And since week one, we have told you religious efforts do not work. And then he says the words I have spoken to you are spirit in parentheses, wind, and they are life. They are life. Now, I want to say, I want to say something to you. The, the Holy Spirit is everywhere. You know, the Bible says that this word is God-breathed. This word is, if, when you pick up the word of God and start reading the Bible, God is breathing on you from the word of the Lord. It's not just, well, I think I'll read, read a life magazine. No, I think I'll read the Bible tonight. Uh, they're about the same. No, they're not the same. When you open this book, God breathes on you with his word. His word breathes on you. In 2 Timothy, he said, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness. So when you get in this word, God is saying, Get it, son. Get it, son. I love the breath of God in our world. I love the fact that the Holy Spirit is woo moving and wooing us in this hour. So when you read your Bible, it contains wind. Wind to give you power to make what the word is saying actually happen in your life. That's why when you read the word, you need to receive it with faith so that the faith that you have in you will operate in the word of God and you can see miracles in your life. How many want something in your life today? Come on, clap your hands real big. I want to preach to you. Amen. Now here's the problem. There's so much misrepresentation of the spirit stuff, bad theology, bad misuses, abuses, just downright extra biblical preaching about the Holy Spirit. A lot of people just don't want anything to do with this experience because what they have done, they have fleshed the Spirit of God. You can't flesh this thing out. You can't flesh it out. If it's God, it's God. If it's not God, it's not God. 
There's only two spirits, the spirit of God and the spirit of evil. And I will tell you one thing. I will not let this thing become a fleshly thing in this house. But I believe that God Almighty wants to move by his own power and his own will and his own strength in this house. Amen. Come on, take your umbrella down and let the Lord rain on you right now. Let the power and the presence of God rain on you. <laughs> so using wind as a metaphor, using wind as a metaphor to better translate for the Holy Ghost. Let me try to explain a tiny bit how the Holy Spirit works in our life. There's three things I want to talk to you about. Number one, wind is not seen. You can't see wind. Now, unless you live in West Texas and it's a dust bowl. <laughs> Lord, I was raised out there, folks. I'm going to tell you, it would, it would blow dust and then it would rain at the same time. And the, and, the, and the screens would get so muddy, we had to go out and clean the screens because mud was raining on our house. But that's West, West Texas. You know why I'm living in Austin? Because I did live in West Texas. I don't want to live in there no more. I'm in Austin. Now, I'll take the heat here. The, it's invisible. It doesn't have color. The Holy Spirit is not seen. It's tough to make, some people think, perfect logical sense. So for many of us, if I can't explain it perfectly, I'd rather not have anything to do with it. Let me tell you, that's a bad decision. Because things not seen are eternal. Things that are seen are temporal and the Holy Spirit is an eternal thing it bugs some of us that we can't use logic to explain God I will say this if you can fully understand God your God is way too small Lord I'm gonna preach a little bit here today his ways are far above our ways they're above finding out but I will say this God has come to us in a way through the Holy Spirit that we can experience him powerfully and feel him in our life there's nothing like the manifest presence of Almighty God. I don't know how to explain it, but I know when it's there. How many of you have just been around somewhere in your life and you just felt the presence of God? Come on, raise your hand. Admit it. Admit it. Raise your hand. You just know that it's there. I was in a funeral several, several years ago in Peason, Louisiana. Now, to get to Peason, you have to go there. You don't just get to Peason. You have to go to Peason to get to Peason. And if you, if you don't watch it, you're going to miss Peason because you're going to drive through and about a second you're through it. And you say, how did I miss Peason? Well, it was back there a half a second ago because it's, it's in half seconds. But I was in a funeral at Peason, Louisiana, and I've told this story. And I, I, I looked around and I saw about 30 or 40 people at this funeral and I said, God, do you even know where I am? Do you know where I am? Can you find me? If the trumpet sounded now and the rapture took place, would you know I'm here? And all of a sudden, the song started being played at that funeral, and it was Guy Penrod singing, Knowing all what, knowing what I know about heaven. Sure makes me want to go there. And all of a sudden, the tears just started flooding down my cheeks, and I felt the presence of God come over me. And it felt like somebody just sat down beside me. And I know you think that I'm losing my mind, but I'm not. Some just kind of sat down beside me, and God said, Gotcha. I know where you are. You may think you have an orange jersey at Texas A&M 100,000 seat stadium, but I promise you wherever you are, God is. I promise that because he's not far from any of us. And his presence, even though it's not seen, can be felt by the, the, the people of God. Wind is unseen. Let me tell you something. I want to say something to you. Many people have had moments that they knew that it was something unique, it was something special, it was something outside the lines, it was something that they didn't dream up, they didn't drum up. 
It was something that was there. Let me, let, let me say, God is such a gentleman. He will knock gently on your door. And if you'll just give him the slightest crack, he will walk into where you are. I've seen people in church before because they, they, they wanted to be in the presence of God, but they didn't want God to invade their life. And I've seen them kind of raise their hand like this, you know. Because if I do this number, he might get me. He thinks I'm half there. But if I really do this, he may just attack me. And so they kind of do this number. Let me tell you something. You turn your blinker on, God will find you. God will find you. It don't matter if the wind is unseen. God knows how to find us where we are. He told, he told, he, he told uh, 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 Thomas one time, because Thomas was not there when the Lord was resurrected and appeared to the disciples. Thomas was somewhere else. He didn't believe that Jesus had resurrected. And so they went and told him. They said, Thomas, Jesus appeared to us. He said, no, no, he didn't appear. He said, Thomas, he was there. Well, you know, he wasn't there. He's dead. He has gone. He's not there. He will, he's, not, he's not with us. And he said, Thomas, he's there. You need to be at church next Sunday. He's going to be there probably again. And when Thomas showed up, Jesus appeared again the second time. You know why he appeared the second time? Because some people doubt him that he shows up every Sunday around this place. And so he shows up again today. And he's in the house right now. And so Thomas walks in and he sees the Lord and he comes and he says, I, I, I want to I put my hand in his side and feel his side. I want to put my hand in his hand and feel his scars. And he said, Thomas, come, put your hand here. Put your hand here. And when he did, he said, he's my Lord and my God. And Jesus said this, blessed are you, Thomas, because you have seen me and you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. I want to say something. I have never seen Jesus and I've never seen the Holy Spirit. But I know one thing. The Holy Spirit is alive in this world today. And I may not have to see it. I don't have to see it to understand that God is in this room now. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice in that. Wind is unseen. So it must be okay with feeling him without seeing him. The second thing is wind is unpredictable. Boy, it just, it just whatever it wants to do, it's going to do. It's going to blow north. It's going to blow south. You go out there to Austin, you see that little old red socket just does this all the time, just moving. Those planes are saying, well, which way is the wind really blowing? Well, it's, it's kind of coming out of the south direction, but sometimes southeast and sometimes a little southwest, and it moves around to the east and the west, and it's always moving. You see a golfer trying to pick a club of what club he's going to hit. The flag's blowing this way, then it's blowing that way, then it's blowing this way, because the wind does whatever it wants to do. You can't quarantine the wind. It's going to blow, and the Spirit's going to blow, and the Spirit's going to be around here. It's unpredictable. But you understand this, that when you want God in your life, he knows how to find you. That God knows how to find you. I, I, was, I, I, was, I was reading something years ago about, about the hoof and mouth disease that, that happened in England and Ireland. And, and, the, and, the, and the country of England was trying to keep the, the hoof and mouth disease away from their animals that was coming. The Irish people had it. And, but but they, they tried to quarantine their animals. They tried to put them away. They tried to put them in safety. They tried to, they tried to make the buildings uh, double proof. They tried to put all kinds of insulation in the building to keep, keep that hoof and mouth disease out. But one thing they couldn't, they couldn't quarantine. They couldn't quarantine the wind. The wind blew, and the wind blew from Ireland. The wind blew to England, and it just kept coming, and it blew, and it blew that disease, and, and many, many animals died. Many animals were killed, and I, I will declare this to you, that when the Holy Spirit is moving, the Bible said, in the last days, saith God, I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. This is the Holy Spirit era of the church right now. 
It's the Holy Ghost era of the church. You might as well just go ahead and come out of your quarantine, come out of your bunker, get up here and stand in the middle of it and say hallelujah. I'll never forget when I saw Geraldo Rivera down in South Texas standing in a hurricane. He was leaning into it trying to broadcast because he thought he was tough. Some of you need to get a lean in your spirit and say, I want the Holy Ghost to blow through me. I want, a, I want the Spirit of God to blow through me. You see, it's unpredictable. God does things out of precedent. He's not a God that can be ordered. And so that, many people can't figure that kind of God out. There was, there was a time in the, in the New Testament when he was touching people and he was healing people and, 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 and blessing them. And, and he, was, he laid hands on a man in, in, in Mark chapter 8 and his, his eyes, he saw men as trees walking. Then he came back a little later and said, can you see? He said, yeah, I see men as trees. He said, he touched him again and he was made whole. So he gave him two touches. And so Jesus was doing this hand thing, you know, laying hands on people, touching people. And everybody thinks it's the hand thing. I remember several years ago back in St. Louis when I was living there and working, working for an organization, I, re I remember several years ago that there was a pastor that I went to his church and he said he was, he was urged to go pray for a woman who was sick, who was really sick in, in her body and she wanted somebody to come and pray. And so he went over there to pray for her, took his wife and said they took the oil because James said anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith to save the sick and the Lord and raise them up. If they've committed any sin, it shall be forgiven. So he went over to do that. He said the Lord impressed him, wash her feet. He said, What? What are you saying? Lord, he said, wash your feet. I will heal her if you'll wash your feet. He made that pastor get down on his knees with that wife, and they washed this little woman's feet, and the fever broke, and she was healed and lived a long time. So he comes back, and he tells that story. He tells that story. He says, you know, I went to pray for this woman and said, the Lord told me not to use oil. The Lord told me to anoint her feet, and I just anointed her feet with water, and we prayed for her, and God healed her. And everybody in Missouri started doing that. It became the way to pray for people. Wash feet. No, that's, that, that's what God told him that time. That's what God said to him that time. It wasn't the rule. The rule is let the Holy Spirit work in your life. And so Jesus is healing all these people with his hands. And so here comes a guy bringing his buddy, you know, with him. He said, Lord, I got this buddy. He's blind. Won't you touch him? And the Lord said, no, I'm not going to do him that way. He spits on the ground, makes him a little mud. Makes a little mud. I've lost my microphone. Let me fix it here. I rebuke you, devil. He makes a little mud, puts that mud in his eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man says, why couldn't you just done the hand thing? Why couldn't you just done the hand thing? It would be so much cleaner. It's so neater. You've made this church, you've made your kingdom look bad by spitting on the ground and making mud. But he did. And the man was healed. You know, you know God only appeared in a burning bush one time in the Old Testament. One time. He did one burning bush. But I thought about that. You know, why didn't God use a sheep to talk to Moses? Why didn't he use a camel? Why didn't he use something that was Moses could recognize? But he, he used a burning bush. I think that, that God did that because God wanted everybody to know, I can do what I want to do. I can be what I want to be. And if I want to burn a bush, I'm going to burn a bush. If I want to, if I want to open the waters of the Red Sea, I'm going to open the water. Are you preaching with me right now? I can do what I want to do. There is a God that I'm preaching about that can do anything he wants to do because he's sovereign. But there's so many people today. If Moses were alive today, I think, because he has a Jewish, a Jewish in him, you know, a Jew spirit in him, I think he'd probably be selling plots in the desert and say, saying you got to come over here and see this burning bush and if you don't see this burning bush you won't go to heaven I don't think I, I think I think God showed him that in the middle of a desert because he said Moses I'm just going to show you this and you only but he couldn't wait till he got to Aaron to tell Aaron and Aaron couldn't wait till he got to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh 
Here's what I want to say to you folks. God does things the way God wants to do things because God, wind is unpredictable. He told Nicodemus, the wind blows wherever it pleases. And he said, you hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Everybody say, God's wind's going to blow in spite of people that don't want it to blow. And we live in a denominational world that has put the Holy Ghost on the shelf. Oh, I'm going to preach right now. The Holy Ghost is on a shelf. I say, let's clean the shelf. Let's bring the Holy Spirit back because churches in the last day that preach about the Spirit of God moving in the house are going to be full to capacity because God wants His church to be baptized with the Spirit of God in their house. Come on, clap your hands, clap your hands. Hallelujah. The third thing that wind is, is it's powerful. It's very powerful. It's unseen, it's unpredictable, it's powerful. Wind can create energy. I love to go to West Texas just to go out there and visit, not stay. I love to go to West Texas and see those big old windmills out there. Wow. You know, I preached a sermon one time years ago. How many windmills do you have to see to realize the wind's blowing? How many miracles do you have to see to know that God still heals? How many people does God have to raise up from the beggarly elements of the world to know that God still saves? How many windmills do you have to see to know that the wind is still blowing? The wind still blows. You can't quarantine the wind. It's unpredictable, but it is powerful. When you think about Hurricane Sandy and Hurricane Katrina, when you think about Hurricane Rita and the power of that, when you see these these, these force tornadoes that are four and five category, and you understand how powerful they are. They pick a car up here, say, I don't want you living on Elm Street anymore. I want you to live over here on Peach Street. And they just move that car, and it just sets down again. And you see the destruction. You see the, the annihilation of wind. It's a powerful thing. But when you talk about the wind of the Spirit, it's a powerful thing. It can take an old alcoholic, <laughs> amen, and blow through him and clean him up and put a Bible in his hand, make him a preacher of the gospel. Hallelujah. You can take an old drug at it and wash him as clean as it can be because the wind blows. The wind blows and it's powerful. I love the wind of the Spirit. And as long as there's breath in my body and life in my bones, I will preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this house because I believe it's the real thing that's going to get us out of the doldrums of life. We need an old-fashioned move of God. Paul said it this way, and I concur. He said, my message, 1 Corinthians 2, and my preaching were not with wise, persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Power, power, power. Then he went on to say in 4 and 20, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it's a matter of power. You know, there's a lot of people that like a nice, safe, normal God. Guess what? Normal isn't working. Normal's not working. Normal's not changing our country. Normal's not changing lives. Normal's not healing people who are sick. Some need intellectual explanations for everything. I'm saying you may never understand how God can heal or how He can provide a financial miracle or how He can unite a broken marriage. You don't, you don't never have to know how, but I'm saying who cares how. I just thank God that He knows how and He does it. Come on, clap your hands real big. One of the premier. Anybody just want to say hallelujah? hallelujah? 
Anybody just want to say praise the Lord? Anybody want to say thank you, Pastor, for still preaching about the Holy Spirit in church? Amen. Come on. Anybody want to say I love Jesus? I love the Father. I love the Holy Ghost. Come on, say it. One of the premier revivalists of all time was a guy named Charles Finney. He personally led 500,000 people to the Lord. He was fed up with what he felt like powerless relationship with God, and he wanted all that God had for him. So he put aside his traditions, his biases, and he really sought the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said this. He said, but as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through me and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. You know why it seemed like it was the breath of God? Because it was the breath of God. That's what the Holy Spirit is. I can't explain all of it. I wish I could, but I know this. God, whatever you're doing, I want to get right up in the middle of all of it. I want to get everything I am in the middle of all of it because I know that in the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And I know that somebody somewhere is going to be preaching that. And I think people that still preach about the baptism of the Holy Ghost are churches that are going to be preaching points around the country because people are going to need more than normal. They're going to need the wind of God to blow them away from the doldrums of life. Clap your hands and rejoice with that right now. Amen. I have to push a button here to see what time it is. I, love, I like this watch. I like this watch. I got to hurry. Some people have made the Holy Spirit crazy. They really have. They've made it crazy. They've gone absolutely nuts with it. We're not going to do that here. Others have been told that the Holy Spirit does not operate day like it did in Bible days. That's another lie. There's no reason God's going to cheat this society, this generation out. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, amen. If the, if the apostles had miracles, we can have miracles. If the apostles had the Spirit, we can have the Spirit of God. I believe that. Some people have been turned off by those who claim to be Spirit-filled and are tired of being made to feel inferior, like second-class citizens, if they don't behave in the Spirit like those other people that think they've got more Spirit than other people. I won't go into that. And some of us can't process it because it doesn't fit within the traditional framework of what we grew up with. But in, 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 in Acts chapter 1, Jesus talked to his disciples. He said, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Say amen to that. Amen. So when they met together, they asked him, watch this, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Then he said, but... You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Like, get back on the point. Quit asking about the end time. Quit asking about all this stuff's going to happen. He said, you're going to receive power. It's like he was trying to tell them about the Holy Ghost, and they were trying to change the subject. They had the retention rate of a two-year-old. They were changing the subject. He said, I want you to know the Holy Ghost is going to come on you. 
And whatever people say to you, whatever people say to try to get you off center of this Holy Ghost message, you say, but I know the Holy Ghost is going to direct and guide us in this last hour. Well, it's not in the Bible. I know the Holy Ghost is for us all. Amen. It's not for us today. I know the Holy Ghost is for everybody. And the Spirit of God can come down on everybody in this house today. Say amen. Romans, Paul said, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So there's three things. There's three things that I want to share, then I'm going to let you go. Three things. Number one, if you're going to receive what God has for you in this last hour, you've got to let go of fears and misperceptions. You've got to let go of them. Fear hath torment. Fear will torment you. And when we even talk about this in a crowd like we have here today, because we're not all, we're not all old-time Pentecostals today. We're not people that were raised in brush arbor mindsets. We are, there are people here that have never heard where there be any Holy Ghost. Paul found some of them in Acts chapter 19. He said, how were you baptized? They said, under John's baptism. He rebaptized them and laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Because it doesn't matter if you have not heard of it or it, it was taught against wherever you came from. I promise you there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit for your life. Amen. There's a baptism. We've got all kinds of people here. We've got Baptists and Presbyterians and Catholics and Methodists and Pentecostals and Bapticostals and Lutherans and Episcopalians and Church of Christ. And my favorite, none of the above. That's my favorite. Because you met Jesus at CLC. You came out of a world of drinking, out of a world of alcohol, out of a world of addiction, and you're in the house of God today. But religious traditions can bring basic fears to your life about the Holy Spirit. I resist that in the name of the Lord. I want you to trust this pastor. I would never preach anything in this pulpit that would hurt you. I will only preach things that will bless you. And I want you to be blessed by the best. And if God created it all and Jesus redeemed it all, it's time for the Holy Ghost. It's His time to work in our lives. Amen. Why don't we let Him work in our lives? You stand on God's terra firma. You worship because the blood of Jesus was given, shed for you. Why don't you let the Holy Spirit just come into your life? Hallelujah. The whole culture of your life would be changed. The whole feeling, the whole, the whole persona of all you are would be changed if you allowed the Holy Spirit to just come down on you and say, Fill me, Lord, in my office. Fill me, Lord, in my car. Fill me, Lord, in my life. Fill me with your Spirit. You've got to get past fears. You've got to get past misperceptions. The second thing you have to do, you've got to go all in. You can't, you can't be like the hokey pokey, put your right foot in, take your right foot out, shake it all about. You can't do that. Well, I've got three kids, three grandkids, that they kind of scare me a little bit. We go out to the lake some on Sunday, and I love, I love to go out there with my kids. I really do. I love, we got this little old, little old pontoon boat, and we love it and enjoy it. We like it. We go out about six in the Sunday afternoon. We're not going today, hallelujah. But, but uh, we, we we like that boat. And when we stop, these kids have already got their life jackets on. When we stop, Windsor is like leading the charge. He's six years old. He just gets on the top rung of the boat and just jumps into the water. Just jumps seventy feet. It don't matter. Eighty feet don't matter how deep it is. I'm going in. Then here comes Caroline. She's three. Don't even look back. Just 
She's gone. <laughs> then comes Finley. He's two. He grabs a hold and he lets go. He doesn't go, hmm, let me see how that is. You got to go all in. My kids have learned a language very young in life. You got to go all in. This thing is real or it's not real. It's right or it's wrong. But I promise you, with everything that's in me and everything I've ever read in that Bible, the Holy Spirit is for real in this hour. It's for real in this hour. It's for real. Come on. Come on. Clap your hands. You got to go all in. You got to go all in. You got to go all in. Jeremiah said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And the third thing, and I close today, you got to develop an intimate friendship with the Lord. You have to. You can't just be tough boy all the time. You can't be macho, macho man all the time. I'm a nacho man. Not a macho, I'm a nacho man. But there is so much, there's so much testosterone in men today and by my own strength and by my own power, you can't do it by your own strength. You can't make heaven just by thinking you're going to go there. You've got to let God in your life. Come on. You've got to let God in your life. You've got to let him get in there. You've got to let him get in there. And when he gets in there with that wind, he'll wipe some things out of your spirit. He'll clean your heart out. He'll bless you mightily because there's nothing like the wind of the Spirit of God. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. I love going down the road and singing. Randy, if you'll help me. I love going down the road and singing. I love being in the presence of God. Larry McGee, he is. Or Danny DeVito, he was in first service today. He looks just like Danny DeVito. He could be his twin brother. And he, would, he come up to me today and he texted me yesterday and he said, Pastor, I, I was in the presence of the Lord today. He said, I got to singing that song, thanks to Calvary. I don't do the things I used to do. Thanks to Calvary, I'm not the man I used to be. I don't go there anymore, thanks to Calvary. And he said, Pastor, I had myself an aha moment today. I had myself just a moment of being in the presence of the Lord. Let me tell you something. No matter how intelligent you are, no matter how tough you are, every now and then you've got to just say, God, I need a little help. I need a wind to blow in my life. I need the Spirit of God to raise me up. I need that to happen. I need that in my life. I can't do this by myself. I must have the presence of God in my life. I love what Paul addressed when he addressed the Corinthians, the second chapter, second Corinthians chapter 13, the last verse, verse 14 in the message says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. That's how he closed to a church that had all kinds of problems, issues, situations. He said, I want Jesus I want the presence of the Heavenly Father and I want the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit to be with you. You've got to get a relationship with God where it's all right to weep in His presence. It's all right to say, God, 
I need a little help. I need some direction in my life. Men don't like to ask for direction, but sometimes we need direction in our life. Women, you need the presence of God in your life. You need it. You got to have it. It's important. It's imperative to have the presence of God in your life. You've got to have that intimate relationship with the Lord. There was one of the toughest old boys in West Texas that came in our church years ago and the kind of guy that I always wanted to be nice to because I, I, I think it'd been a hard fight if I'd have gotten to fight with him. He was bad. He was just, he just smelled bad. He was bad. And he walked in church one day. <laughs> and I said, what? What? Him? Came to the altar. He was hard to the Lord. It was 50 years ago. God can take mean and make it clean. God can take sadness and make it glad. There's nothing like the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. Nothing like the power of the presence of God. Nothing like it. And so today, I want to ask you to stand and I want to ask you to raise your hand with me all over the house. 